<laughs> All right. Oh my goodness. I keep saying that, like, ah, I'm marrying this person. I'm like, what? All right. Hey, it's uh, so good to be here. Let's pray. Father, uh, I thank you for today. Uh, Lord, I pray that even as I speak, that you would speak through me. I pray um, for humility. I pray, Lord, for honesty and truth to come out. Um, help us as we grapple um, with our lives and the freedom that you have given us. Uh, we commit all this into your hands in Jesus' name. Amen. <sighs> all right. Yeah, we, um, so I'm, I'm kind of like single because my, um, my wife and family are away. We got like almost like a hundred people at, um, at, at retreats this weekend. So it's good to have you here. Um, I feel like we can have a bit of a more intimate, closer conversation, actually. Um, today, the topic, so you may want to actually take notes uh, for today. It's going to be, I've got a lot to cover. I'm going to try and do it as quick as I can and, and stay with the main points. Uh, but today's title of the sermon is, The Flesh Restricts. I wish, oh my goodness, I, and may, I know it's not just me. I wish we could just do anything and not have to deal with the consequences. I wish I could eat anything and like, you know, have the body I imagine I have. I, I wish I could not exercise, I don't have to imagine too much. You know, and have ripped muscles, and but ah, oh, my goodness, life. Uh, you only need to live only a little bit, and you very, very quickly realize, especially if you have Asian parents, you know, you can't do whatever you want without the consequences. I, I so freedom. We're looking at freedom the whole of this month. Freedom is not what you would imagine it to be at a cursory glance. Freedom is not just, hey, do whatever you want because you're free. It's not as naive or as simple as that. Because if you use your freedom to do things that will restrict you further on or for which there is a consequence, after that free moment, you're no longer free. The way the Bible says that is you become a slave or you have to then deal with those consequences. That's what we're, we're looking at through the whole of this January that at some level, in order to be free, you have to keep choosing things that will keep you free. Right? So today... Uh, so Kelly's going to run my slides. Thanks. Uh, we're going to go to the next one. We're going to have a detailed chat about the Bible. All right, uh, today, uh, you, you may not know this, but we pushed all of our schedules um, one week later. So today's like bonus message. I actually prepped up the ending of the series for today, but we're ending the series next week, and then Home Group Sunday is going to take place on the 14th of February. You don't want to miss the 14th of February. We're celebrating Chinese New Year. We got some uh, events, um, items on. We got home group leaders who are meeting right now. They've got some things all planned. So home group Sunday was pushed to the 14th. And so we added this. 
And I thought, okay, great. One extra sermon on the Freedom Free at Last series. What can we do? And I remembered a conversation that I had at the beginning of this year, uh, right after I preached a message called Choose Freedom. Choose Freedom. And the guy, like, great guy. Like, had a really, really good chat. Uh, and I'm going to keep it anonymous so he's not, like, picked on the whole of this service. But somebody asked me a very, very honest question. He said, um, why is sexual immorality wrong? Like, we just, we just finished the sermon. I read through very, very quickly the whole passage from Galatians 5. And it, and it said all these things of the flesh, you know. Um, you can go back and listen to the sermon. But I just rattled off a list of things that... that Paul says. And then he said to me, hey, you know what? Um, why is sexual immorality wrong? Because like, we hear it all the time at church. You know, like, if you grow up at church, like, oh, don't do this, don't do that. Don't do this. Sexual immorality is bad. But nobody's really ever explained it. And so today, uh, we're actually going to go through in slow motion through the text as Paul goes through a long list of things that he says, these are of the flesh. These will restrict you. And I'm very, very aware of the fact that this is going to sound like standard church or your Asian mother, one of the two. But please, 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 could you just bear with I. You have to please understand, because I grew up at church. I grew up in this church. My heart is not to restrict you. As we go through this list, it's not to say these things, you can't do, you can't do this. Oh my goodness, you're going to be a bad person if you do this, this, this. That's not the goal. The goal is actually freedom. Just as, Jesus, just as God would say to Adam and Eve at the beginning, hey, you're free, you're free, the whole thing is made for you, wow, wonderful, wonderful. And they choose the very thing that would restrict them. And so there needs to be, just as warnings and instructions was given in the beginning, there needs to be sometimes a little bit of a detailed chat about some of these things that, that restrict us. But please understand uh, my heart in this. You know, um, I think a detailed explanation is needed because sometimes we just don't talk about it. We, you know, like as parents even, or as leaders in church, we, we get away with the shortcut. We say something like, let me just give you the headline. Sexual, sexual immorality is bad. Lying is bad. Murder is bad. And that's it. That's all you ever hear. And so then it gets repeated, right? And then, and then your parents repeat it. And then your grandparents come over and visit you. And then they repeat it. And you only hear the headline version. All these things are bad. You never, you never really know why. Is it really bad? Are, are they conning us so that, you know, uh, we get to, you know, the church gets more members or whatever the thing is. And so today we're going to go into it because I imagine that for some people, they have um, genuinely never actually heard it explained to them. Especially we've got like kids graduating into high school right now, we've got a whole bunch of young adults, we've got people coming in new to the church. So we're gonna do a detailed chat about the Bible. All right, and then you have to understand 
my wife's not here, but my detailed chat is basically my wife's not detailed chat. So as detailed as I go, it still is gonna be pretty high level. And I'm just gonna only say one or two things about each one of the um, items that Paul lists. But the goal of that, why I'm gonna try to like keep it as a main point is so that you're focused with the takeaway. So if you take notes and you write down those notes, you can actually go back if you're that way inclined and research more, read heaps of articles, study the Bible more and understand why is it that I've picked these one or two lines that to describe the vice that we're talking about. Okay, so here we go. This message is gonna be in two parts. One, we're gonna explain all these vices really quickly. And then hopefully I get through with explaining it 11.30, I'm saying this, I hold myself accountable. And then I'm gonna spend the next 15 minutes talking about what the Bible actually says to do about this. All right, so let's go. Let's read today's text. So today we're just doing a detailed chat about a passage of scripture. Um, just the way I would say do my devotions. Galatians 5, 16 to 25 says this, but I say, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Another way to explain that is they restrict your freedom. They keep you from doing the things you want to do. All right? But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality. It comes up first in a lot of Paul's lists. Impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things do not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, you do understand that warning is not punishing. Warning is something you do when you love somebody before they do the thing and then get punished for it or hit the consequence, all right? So I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, hey, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And if you think, oh my goodness, he's going to spend an entire sermon talking about all the flesh things and never even talk about the fruit of the Spirit, let me tell you, you are correct for today. But later on this year, we might even spend one week on each one of the things of the Spirit, of the fruit of the Spirit, which is all one fruit. So we're definitely going to be emphasizing through the whole of this year the Spirit side of things. But I thought, hey, let's take one entire sermon and just slow it down a bit and talk about how the flesh restricts us. 
Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. All right, let's get into it. So this is um, the three slides, a little bit of a sandwich. All right, you got the beginning slide, you got the middle slide, and the ending slide. The middle slide is the guts of what he's saying for today's message. It begins like this. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Right? Now the works of the flesh are evident. Okay, here we go. I'm trying to race against the clock. Evident is the first word that shows up in Greek. Phaneros, phanera actually, is how this passage starts when you're reading the Bible. When I, uh, I've been reading through Galatians and trying to translate it from Greek, right? When you read it, it begins with phaneros and it begins with the word evident. So it starts with, hey, evident. What is that? What does that word mean? It means open to public observation or obvious, evident. There will be evidence around. What it's trying to say is that, hey, whatever you think about the uh, works of the flesh, it ends up coming out so that the public can observe it, so that anyone can see it, not just like in the air somewhere. Like if you eat a stack of junk food, right, and uh, watch Netflix and eat supper late at night or whatever it is, yeah, eventually it becomes like evident, open to public observation, okay? And so what Paul is trying to say is, hey, these things, even if nobody finds out about it, even if you can keep it in the, it, they're actually, they end up being evident. They, they leave evidence. They, are, they end up being obvious. They are open to public observation. So, so what are these things? What are these? Let's go to the first one. Sexual immorality, porneia in Greek. Okay, so here we go. I'm going to try to go as quick as I can. This is not a substitute for parents having the birds and bees conversation with your kids, which you should be doing, and not relying on the church to do it for you. Okay, but here we go. Why is sexual immorality bad? Yeah, you might see the word pornea there. You might go, oh, it's porn. He's going to talk about how bad porn is. Actually, the Greek word comes from the word that's used for prostitution or prostitute. So it comes from that sense. And the idea is that sex can be had without all of the strings attached to it. So I'm going to summarize it as the parts you choose. Sexual immorality is basically having all of what God, uh, having, not having what God intended for sex. It was meant to be the most intimate thing that you could do with another person tied together with the most intimate commitment you can make to another person. As a representation of two becoming one, as a representation of how much and how close God is even to us, like the church uh, and who's the bride and Christ who's the bridegroom. 
Okay, so that was the original plan. What happens with sexual immorality, which is why it's bad, is it ends up being, hey, I'm gonna just choose the parts of the relationship that I like. So what you need to do is you need to ask yourselves, if you are growing up, you're in a relationship with somebody, oh man, this guy loves me, you know, we're, we're, we're living together, we're all doing things or whatever. What you have to ask them is, if we're having sex, what are we missing out on? What is the part that you have deliberately decided to leave out of the equation? Oh yeah, the, I'll tell you what that part is. We're not sharing our finances. I'll tell you what that part is. We're not committed till death do we part. I'll tell you what that part is. I want to be able to see other people. I actually don't want to even share my mobile phone with you. That's why it's linked to the word prostitution, because you just get the parts you want to get. You just, it becomes transactional. It becomes more for just the fulfillment of things. And it actually restricts you. It actually restricts because you cannot, while you can have lots and lots of prostitutes or you can have lots and lots of this sort of parts you choose in the in the individual members of it like different segments of it what you can no longer then choose is that deep intimate committed free relationship where you can walk around in your pajamas be really yourself and have a partner in life who has seen your worst and they're still next to you. Who, who has the kind of lifelong commitment that says in sickness and in health, for richer or even if it's for poorer. That is the view that is in the Bible and I want to put it to you, that's what God wants us to shoot for. That's the higher goal. And so every time you, you pick the parts that you want, you're literally substitute. You have to ask yourself, what is it that is being excluded? Okay, next, impurity. Akatharsia. The A, just to give you a quick lesson in Greek, means the opposite of, right? So cathartic, yeah, good, good, pure, right? So impurity means the opposite of pure. All right, impurities of Romans 6, 19 goes, let's not be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which leads to more lawlessness, but present yourselves, your members, as slaves to righteousness, which leads to sanctification. Or in Matthew 5, 8, it says, blessed are the pure in heart. You know, in, um, in the New Testament, it talks about how do you get something pure? Okay, how do you get something pure? You have to refine it. Because if you've lived enough life, you know dust, impurities, rubbish, just builds up. So what they do is pure gold is used as the example in the Bible when you talk about pure, right? How do you do that? You test it in the fire, you burn it in the fire. And so the plan actually is that we go through tribulations and troubles in life. The things are tested and we are purified more and more. But if you want to just stay impure, don't worry. It'll be easy for you. You don't have to endure that kind of a testing that makes you pure gold. 
but it then restricts you because these impurities slow you down. These things that you've never bothered to deal with, it's like not changing your engine oil or whatever the thing is, right? They're actually not meant to be there. They're not meant to be, they're not good for you. Sensuality. A, selgia, right? Uh, I'm trying to explain all these because the Greek word actually, by the time it translates, the average person growing up in Melbourne in 2021 just doesn't understand it, right? So it actually means self-abandonment. Debauchery is what some um, translations would translate it as. That means, hey, no control. Do whatever you like, all right? So if you look at that Greek word, it is, um, it's the opposite of having control. That's why self-control is on the things of the spirit side, right? It is the, hey, I'm going to give in to my feelings. I'm just going to throw all abandon away. And woohoo, I'm just going to be free. I'm just going to be free. And that, that is the appeal, right? Do what you like. Do what you like. Oh, no. Turns out there are a lot of people praying. Not praying. There maybe need to be more people praying. <laughs> but there are a lot of people, P-R-E-Y-ing, praying on the things you like. They're counting on you to pick the convenient option, to pick the thing that feels good, to pick the, oh my goodness, it's like a trap. And having self-control actually makes you more free because you can say no to the free extra burger that comes with the thing. You have freedom to say, I will choose this, I will not choose this. I'm not just driven by whatever passion I have. You're actually a little bit more free. Next, idolatry. This is easy to remember the Greek because it's idolatria. Latria uh, um, is worship or serve, right? So idolatry is, hey, I don't, I get to choose my own master. I choose who I want my master. Doesn't have to be the real master of the world. I can just make my own master, right? And the idea is that you get to serve, okay, we all end up serving, okay? You serve your career, you serve your children, you serve your wife, your husband, you serve whatever it is, you end up serving things. Even if it is a made up God, computer game God, whatever the thing is, you'll end up serving it, right? But this says, hey, I get to choose it. Brilliant. That is so free because you can just choose any God you want. The problem is that if your God, which is what Galatians says, is if these things who by nature are not God, that means if you choose them as your God, ah, sucks to be you. Because, can I say that? Okay, anyway, it's terrible. It's terrible. Because those things will not deliver on their promise. Which means you're in servitude. You're enslaving yourself to somebody who will not set you free instead will keep you in bondage playing this game till you get to the next level working harder till you get to the next level whatever the thing is 
So choose your own master would be great if you were the master of the universe. You are not. Sorcery, pharmacia. Okay, uh, I just want to explain. Pharmacia is um, like uh, magic, occult, all these things of sorcery, right? Um, maybe not so relevant here, but definitely when we were in Malaysia, we saw people like go to Bomo's to curse their husband, or I don't know, whatever the thing is, right? You basically, sorcery is all of these things. It's got to do with even like taking of um, potions and stuff like that. But sorcery is doing what it takes to get what you want. So this led to sacrifice of babies back in those days because they, they needed a real blood or, you know, like the, you can't get anything for free so that you have to, there's a cost to be paid to get your whatever riches. There is that element in sorcery that you are after something, so you're just going to go to the dark side or whatever the thing is, right, to get it. Okay, next. Emnity, extra. Um, this is you see people as the enemy. Oh my goodness, like, I don't need to tell you, uh, in the world we live in today, we see people as enemy. You can name the other side, and the other side has like a name of a person <laughs> because they are headlined by a person, the person's out in front, and you might think the person's your enemy, but they're not because, which is why the Bible actually explains it so well in Ephesians 2, 14 and 16. Jesus is our peace, and he removed the dividing wall of ektra, killing the ektra killing the hostility, dividing wall of hostility. Um, enmity, the same Greek word is translated as hostility. All right? Uh, they're in your way. They're not doing the thing that you want. So actually, as Christians, we are called to not see people as, en as the enemy. We have to live our lives. We cannot like somebody, but there has to be a limit to how much we not like them. There has to be a limit to the kind of conduct we have. Because if we hate somebody, or we see them as the enemy, it actually consumes us. It was like uh, somebody was saying, you're drinking this poison, hoping to kill the other person, but you're just killing yourself. Strife, heiress. Strife is mentioned so many times. Romans 1, 29, 1 Corinthians 3, 3, Romans 13, 13. Um, in fact, I like Romans 13, 13, because it says, um, uh, don't, don't go to strife and all these other things. Act like in daytime. So strife means contention and quarreling. Contention and quarreling. These things restrict you. They are not good for you. Have you ever, because we do this a lot as, as pastors, gone into family counseling when there is a lot of quarreling going on between husband and wife, parents and the kids, kids and the grandparents, it's quarreling contention. Ask yourself a question, are these guys free? 
They're not free. I can't go here. Why? This person is there and I can't be in the same room as them. I, why don't you just have a good time, man, tomorrow? I can't have a good time. I'm so upset with this person. I hate this. Oh my goodness. It is not freeing. These things are not freeing. And Paul begins the sentence of this whole passage by, it should be obvious. So that's why I'm kind of taking a little bit of time to let's just get it, right? Because you're not getting what you want. So you're contending, you're fighting. Instead of letting God, instead of holding things loosely and letting God be your, your fighter, you are the one. You're fighting, fighting, fighting. Okay, great. And it says, act in Romans 13, 13. Act like in daytime. Because actually, most of us, the easiest to have contention is actually in the dark, behind closed doors. That's the easiest. Because if you have contention in real life, outside, oh my goodness, you can get into a lot of trouble. People might not invite you for dinner. They might, whatever. So what you do is you go home, and you talk to your wife. Oh, this, I don't like this person. Oh, this person did you and then Romans 13, 13, read it. It says, hey, hey, why don't you just like, the way you conduct yourself, conduct yourself the way you would in the daytime or in the light. Okay? Eight. Okay, okay I gotta go fast now. Jealousy, zealous. Jealousy is intense negative feelings over another person's achievements or success. I'm gonna differentiate it from envy, right? But this will restrict you because firstly, it's got nothing to do with you. So you're living your life perfectly fine and now you're jealous that this other guy's got a promotion or that this other person's got a happy life and they got a whatever it is. Okay, you, you were fine. But the thing is, something good happened not to you, to someone else. And so now, you're jealous. It consumes you. It's not good for your freedom. It's not good for your freedom. Going through Facebook, Instagram, and not being able to be happy for somebody else, but instead saying, why are they showing off? Why are they wearing, oh my, why the, like, and then the jealousy robs you of freedom. Next, fits of anger, Thymos, all right? Yeah. Fits of anger, all right? I'm not talking about just being angry. I'm talking about fits of anger. So this is a special different word. Uh, wrath, rage. It severely, when you meet somebody who's rage, and I, I counsel a lot of men, so I know. Yeah, uh, women rage too, don't get me wrong. I just counsel men a bit more. Like, it is not good when they lose control. In fact, in fact, if they lean into it, they're like, this is, I'm, I'm feeling the irritation rise up within me, or whatever it is, and they just allow themselves, indulge in the flesh. They go, oh, you know what? God has given me for freedom. I've been set free. I have just got to let loose on this guy right now. Like, if they do that, what happens later on is actually a whole range of restrictive things. The consequences of their action when they were angry means that people start putting boundaries and barriers all around, right? Um, it is not a wise choice for your freedom. Next, rivalries or selfish ambition, um, self-seeking. 
Okay, this is linked to the earlier one, which was um, eris, which is strife. Okay, um, so uh, basically, this means that you are pitting yourself against somebody else. Next, dissensions. Uh, the dichostasia means it's like like a dichotomy kind of right. Um, means divisions or polarizations. That means instead of having proper conversations about things, you go, there's your side and there's my side. And hey, let's just divide. And so you can't actually, you're so polarized in, uh, we are moving to Brisbane, we're staying in Melbourne, or whatever the thing is, right? Or I'm on this, I vote for this, you have a, and before, whatever the thing is, before you can even have a discussion, people are already down party lines. That's not good. That's not good. What happens if the party you've picked has minor problems with it? What happens if the decision that you want, that you're discussing with your husband and your wife, and you want this, your husband wants this other one, you're divided down the middle, if you cannot break that dividing wall down, you've actually restricted a whole bunch of your choices. Because there could be something, and I'm, I'm not talking about watering down your values and compromising, and we're not talking about that. I'm talking about taking the easy road, the easy road that doesn't have the difficult conversations and just deals with it at the headline level. You're on this side, I'm on this side. Actually, the Holy Spirit calls us to more. That's why peace is one of the fruit of the Spirit. Gentleness means that you're taking time to be gentle with the other person. Even if you're like full on oppose the other person, you're taking the time to be gentle. These types of things. Divisions is the next one that Paul brings up. The, the Greek word is actually heresies, right? Which is where we get the word heresies or factions. Similar kind of feel. Okay, envy. I like this one because I tried to pronounce it for ages. It's phthonos, phthonos, phthonos. And I'm just thinking, okay, yeah, because it's got the, anyway, right? Phthonos. Um, it is it's linked with jealousy, but the way to think of it is jealousy is like you've got thing, good things that are good, and then somebody else gets something better, and now you're jealous of it. Envy is you don't have it. You don't have this thing. It's like Thanos snapped half of your life away and so you're like missing half and you're looking at the thing that you're missing. So you're envious. You're envious of the other person because you, you feel that you're missing a girlfriend, you're missing a job, you're missing a whatever the thing is, right? And so it can consume you. It can eat you up so that you're not free to live the kind of life that God wanted you to actually live. And maybe... All of us actually, at some level, even the richest of all of us here, if you talk to rich people, they lack stuff. Oh, if I only could get another extra 10 billion, my life will be complete. Like, that's because if we let envy take over our lives, we'll always find things that we lack and it will restrict us. Drunkenness, mete, excessive drinking. Nobody ever says, oh man, I made the wisest decision when I was drunk, super drunk. I was like so in tune. It was no, because the alcohol restricts our inhibitions. It restricts our, our ability to do proper thinking even, so that we can then be more free 
and I say free, right? Free to do the crazy things that our intelligent self would not allow to do. Yeah? That's the kind of freedom that leads to not freedom. Orgies. Now this is like, it's actually linked to food. So if you go in, okay, I know, I know you're thinking, whatever, you Google, do not Google it. Um, talk to your parents about it, right? But it's linked to food. It means excessive feasting. And what could be wrong with constantly eating and having excessive food? I'll tell you what it is, is you're giving in to that desire to consume and eat and more and more. And what actually happens is, I, and I, I don't mean anything against people who eat a lot. Obviously, there's a lot at FGA, and I have a teenager that just eats stacks. The thing is, if you set your appetite on things that are a lot, eat a lot, and you're driven by that, you actually find that you're not free. You cannot go one hour without thinking for food. You need food, otherwise you're hangry or whatever the thing is. And so excessive eating can become, um, can, can, um, it sits in this opposite of self-control. Just like excessive drinking, just like fits of rage, just like jealousy and things like that. So all these things of the flesh, they're actually very self-oriented. And you know that when you look out for yourself, when you just think of yourself, you actually become smaller. And the way God created us to be free for the kingdom of God is not to be smaller, but to be bigger. To consider others. To extend our concern to others. That's why the fruit of the Spirit has got love, joy. Joy is not to be just myself joy. Joy is to be shared. Peace, gentleness. So I, I, I talk about these things in a little bit more detail because I feel like if you take that time, you will actually understand, it hopefully will become obvious to you, that these things, they're not good. Not just because of like we're church and we say that they're not good. Not because your, your Asian parents say they're not good. They're not good. <laughs> it's self-evident. So then he goes, and now I'm going to get to the end. Okay, five minutes to end it, right? Okay, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is all these things. I want to land on, do not inherit the kingdom of God. What does that mean? It means that God is not your king, right? The kingdom of God has God as the king. That's why it's called kingdom of God. God is not under the king. You're not under his rule. You're not under his protection. You're not under his governance. That's what it's trying to say if you, if you do these things, right? So, I just, so the way I think about it is it's like choosing which city you want to live in. There are some cities, let's say, right, where you live, and the, the people who are in charge, they make good decisions. They keep you COVID free. They look after the, the poor. They are great places to live. They're voted best places to live, most livable cities in the world, whatever it is. There are some cities that are great to live because whoever's running the place looks out for the people in it. And the city's getting better and better every time. And everybody can see it. And there's some cities that are terrible to live in. 
They're terrible to live in. You're like, oh my goodness, better block our doors. Don't go out, whatever. Look out, everybody look out for themselves. Whatever thing. Terrible cities to live in. And so the way the Bible does these, the language of kingdom is whose kingdom, right? It's whose city, who's the king of that? And so what he's trying to say is that if you do these things, if this is your way of life, then you don't inherit the kingdom of God. You're not in the city that God is in control, in his rule, in his protection, in his governance. governance. And so we just have to, you're given freedom actually to choose how you live your life and walk. And Paul's making the case that you would choose to walk in the Spirit. Okay, now, in four minutes, I want to talk to you about the number one mistake that Christians and churches make about this list. The number one mistake that happens is we say, don't do these things. You're like, okay. I won't do these things. I won't do this. Uh, Our number one mistake is I want to tackle how, the next how, right? Sometimes what can happen in church is we can just say avoid sexual immorality, avoid fits of anger, just, you know, like you're, you're like, I, I keep using my parents, and my parents are fantastic, don't, don't get me wrong, right? I grew up with great parents, but they would just tell me, don't do these things, right? And while that is like, sometimes that's helpful, that is not what Paul is saying here. He has already given us the key to how to live, and it's, so I want to go to Galatians 5, 16 to 25. He uses a literary technique called inclusio, which means he begins and he ends with the same thing. He begins and he ends with the same thing. So you don't, it's like a sandwich. So you know exactly how it's working. But I say to you, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of flesh. If we, and that's at the beginning and then right at the end at 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Just saying to yourself, don't look at this woman, don't look at this woman, don't look at this woman, is not really going to help you that much from having your attention on this woman. Right? What the Bible is trying to say is, hey, why don't you go into a different focus altogether? Why don't you spend your life walking by the Spirit. I remember, uh, I'm going to end with a, a kind of story of my life. You guys have already heard it, but you know, a lot of new people here at church. Um, I came over to Australia when I was 15 years old to go to uni, right? Oh my goodness. I grew up in the most protected, you know, home you could imagine. Growing up in church, Sunday school, I couldn't cycle outside of my house. I couldn't even walk outside of my house. If I want to go somewhere in Malaysia, I had to call the driver to come and pick me up, to drive me five minutes to wherever the shopping center was, wait outside till I was finished browsing, whatever I was, get into the car to drive back home. I was like so overprotected. And when I came to Australia by myself at 15, I thought, Yes! 
free at last. Somebody sing the song. Free at last. I was eating ice cream for dinner, Maccas every day. I would, I'd stay at Red House and play Street Fighter 2 until they kicked me out. I'd play games until the sun came out in the morning. I'm like, woo, woo, free at last. Then I went from being a top student to flunking out of first year commerce. Like, who, who failed commerce? It's so easy in first year. But I flunked it. It restricted my options. I was like, oh no. Then I wanted to stop some of this stuff. I wanted to stop. Nobody was scolding me to stop it. I wanted to stop this stuff. I couldn't stop it. I got addicted to porn, right? There was, I got addicted to computer games. There was stuff I wanted to do. And I found I couldn't do it. And no matter how much focus I put on, okay, hey, no sexual immorality, no impurity, don't be jealous, don't be jealous, don't be jealous, don't be jealous. It it didn't work. Let me tell you what actually worked. When, thanks to a home group leader from my church, I was in Maribyrnong, my home group leader was in Roeville, and he drove to chat with me, follow up. I got connected back with church, but more importantly, back with God. I still remember at a camp, recommitting my life back to God. I'll tell you what happened. I got consumed by the things of the Spirit. I'll tell you really honestly, I, it, it consumed my life. I, I started, as, so if you go to the next slide, walk by the Spirit is a living that is immersed in, consumed with, filled with the Holy Spirit. That means as you take steps, you're taking steps, the Holy Spirit, is, you're taking steps by the Spirit, right? So the Spirit is leading you. It's, it's you are thinking meditating, you're consumed with the things of the Spirit. And actually, that works way better than saying, don't be jealous, don't be jealous, don't be jealous, don't be angry, don't be angry, and thinking and being consumed about why this person makes you angry. Why is it that this person looks so hot, or whatever the thing is. It's way better to just go, I'm going to spend my time. If I'm downloading things on YouTube, if I'm watching, if I'm reading stuff, if I've got free time, whatever it is, it's way better to, to walk. The walk is like a, a code for the living of your life. To live your life surrounded by the Holy Spirit. That's why I like Pastor Roland's book. Have you, have you still got copies? No, we need more. Okay. More copies will be coming out soon, and we'll have a digital coffee at some point. But that's why I like Pastor Roland's book, because it begins with, hey, start your day right. Put on the armor of God, right? That's actually how you end up. Now, if we reread this whole thing, if you reread this whole thing, it makes a bit more sense. But I say... Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh, they're against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit, turns out, they're against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. As Christians, the year is just starting. We need to walk in the Spirit. 
As Christians, we need to spend our days, our time, our attention, our focus, our step, every step of the way, and we need to be led by the Spirit, by, in, through, whatever. All broadly the same Greek sense. We need to be filled with the Spirit, immersed in the Spirit, meditating on the things of God. That's what we need to do. Because as our focus shifts, and I saw that in my own life, what I, I got caught up with God all over again, all by myself, without my parents around. And it just, my, I guess, I don't know how to explain it, my attention shifted. I was more interested in the things of God. And the things of the world actually became dimmer. It actually became way more controllable. Like, I might have games night tonight, but, you know, it's on and off whenever we can, if, if people reply and, you know, but it's not that addiction anymore. That's way more freeing than something that consumes your life and you can't get out of it. Anyway, I want to close in prayer. I want to pray for you. Next week, uh, we're actually going to be dealing with this whole walking in the Spirit element. So you don't, you don't want to miss it. So this was just like the extra week. So I thought I'd go into a bit more detail on how the flesh restricts you. But, but today, you, you can begin that first step with the Spirit. So while all eyes are closed, uh, uh, we're, I'm gonna, we're going to close with a song. But I want to give you an opportunity. While, while all eyes are closed... If you're saying that, hey, Holy Spirit, thank you for, for speaking to me today. If you want to take steps towards walking by the Spirit, which, let me tell you, is in opposition to all the things that we have just spoken about, then I want you to put up your hand. I want to pray for you. I really do. I want you to begin that journey today. It's a new year. I see, I see all your hands. Like, it's all right. Just put up your hands. I want to pray for you. And then when we sing a song, I'll give an opportunity for people to come out to the altar to be prayed for but right now let me just pray for you father i thank you for all these hands that are lifted up right now lord god i, I pray lord that this year will be a year of freedom for each person who's who's lifting up their hands that they would take steps to walk by the spirit that you would lead them in things that have no law that have no restriction that are good father god and i pray lord god for a free life for them uh, free to be as we were created to be I pray for this whole week and the year ahead for FGA, Lord. Help us as we make decisions. Help us as we conduct ourselves. And I pray, Lord, that as we study the book of Galatians, that you would help us to walk in the Spirit. That this year in our homes, it would be filled with the Spirit. That there would be genuine faith at home, alive and well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord.